Yes. Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late to transportation. Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm really excited to bring you this interview with Olympia Dukakis. She's best known for Moonstruck and, of course, Steel Magnolias, but she had been working in plays for so long, including founding her own theater company. And most recently, she's done a bunch of movies. We spoke about that and so much more. This was taped live at Joe's Pub, and I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did. Finally. Finally, you're here. We're so happy to see you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, and I'm so grateful because you came right off an airplane from filming The Infiltrator. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. That's the best. That was a problem, right? Brian Cranston. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> you like him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and you were playing a Jewish or Italian... I was playing a part that was actually written for a man, and they just, the director decided to change it at the, at the very end and made it Aunt Vicky instead of Uncle Victor. Good. Fabulous, so that they could put you in it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good part. It's a, it's a fun part. And is and, she Italian or Jewish? And a what? Is she Italian or Jewish? He's Italian. Aunt Vicky. They're all Italian. They're all Italian. This is about mafia and drugs and Esteban and endless, endless intrigue. And, uh, that, and it's based on a true story. And the guy who actually was this, this undercover policeman uh, was on the set. And this guy lives in, uh, nobody, um, nobody knows where he lives and nobody knows what name he uses here in, the, you know, in life. And he has a family. And I mean, it's like, really? But, and he was there on the set. I thought, if that was me, I wouldn't move from where, wherever I was in this country. I wouldn't leave. But um, he was there, very, very sweet man. You would never believe that he could do with the things that he had done in the book, because he seemed like just an ordinary person just walking around. It was really interesting, yeah. And I asked about the Italian or Jewish because you've played so many Italian and Jewish. I know, yeah, <laughs> I have played a bunch of Italians. Um, and, Jew, and Jews. And Jews, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Southerners. And Southerners. And transsexuals. Yes. I wanted to know, let's, let's actually jump to there, too. Um, well, can we, can we start a little earlier? Is that okay? Can we start with growing up? I was so transfixed to hear that um, your, your parents were first generation. Right. And were religious. And yet your um, father let you not go to church when you decided you didn't want to go to church. Um, I just wanted to hear about his Where impact did you on hear you. That? Yeah, that's true, my father. Um, I don't know. The, the Greeks have a very ambivalent, uh, can have a very, I shouldn't say that because many Greeks will be offended, but they can have a very ambivalent relationship with the church. And uh, my father was one of them. And uh, when I said that I didn't want to go to the church, into church anymore because we 
We lived in Somerville and we went to Boston because he had a fight with the priest in Somerville, so we couldn't go to that <laughs> church anymore. And I didn't want to do it, mostly because I was getting nauseous on the subways and stuff like that. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to the Salvation Army with my friend Miriam. <laughs> yeah, and so I went to the Salvation Army and I went for two years and I was out on the streets with the tambourines and the whole bit. I was like, uh, and then they asked me to get up and admit that I was washed in the blood of Jesus or saved by the blood of Jesus and Mm, I didn't like that. So I just, uh, so I left the Salvation Army. and then. But I love that he allowed you to, or encouraged yeah. you to find your own way. Yeah, no, he was, uh, he was very unusual for a Greek father and, at that time. He, uh, he valued education, was the most important thing to him. And uh, he felt that everybody found their own happiness and he talked that way. He talked about everybody finds their own happiness. So when you graduated from college, you were a physical therapist. Oh. What, what inspired, is, correct? Am yes, I, is correct, this like correct. when you are on the um, actor's studio where he tells you who you are? Right. Oh, you watch that? Yes. <laughs> you have and two I was, eyes. I was oh, so yes, belligerent on that show. <laughs> he never used it. I mean, I was like, I, I really didn't get along with that guy. That's how, <laughs> we like that. We like belligerence here is, is all good. You've come to the right house. Like, and he never Settle used in. it. Yeah. yeah it was. Um, when you graduated from college, you were a physical therapist. And what prompted you to switch to, you know... Well, actually, out? it happened earlier. I was okay. in physical education because I loved sports all my life. And, um, yeah. and you were a um, fencing champion as I well. I was, yeah. I was. Three years. New England fencing champ right here. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, and so I, I went into physical education and not something that a first-generation Greek girl... In those yeah. days, did but as I, I explained to you, what my father felt, etc. And um, but in the middle of it all, I was um, I they, I was selected for some strange reason to write, co-author, and co-direct a thing a production at at Boston University. I still don't know why that happened, and and I had and it was so. Uh, I had such an appetite for it. I felt so en uh, energized by it. It was like being on the, on the streets and playing again and doing sports again and in a different way. And I thought, this is what I'm going to do. And then, of course, there was no money. So my mother said, if you want this, my mother was the big reality check constantly. <laughs> if you want this, you're going to have to do it yourself. So... I got a scholarship from the National Foundation of Infantile Paralysis for the last two years. And then I went out and um, did polio epidemics for two years. You didn't create polio epidemics. You treated people with polio. Yeah. I, yeah. Few. yeah I, did, I did them. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see. You think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so I did that for a couple of years and saved my money. I went back to graduate school. In acting. Yeah. And so... I was just curious because you, everyone now sort of knows to do their own work, but you started a theater company right away. Right. I saw, actually, I started two of them. The Actors Company? In, in and, yeah, in Boston, which was with the other, with people that I had been to school with. Yeah. And we started a theater there. And then 10 years later, I, I was 
uh, started um, another theater called the Whole Theater, oh, yeah. and we were in uh, northern New Jersey for almost 20 years. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like did you just want to go into the nonprofit business? Was there a reason that you, you as an actor, I, wanted I just to hated run the idea of making a profit. <laughs> I did not want to make a profit. No, no. But it's a lot of, of work to run theaters, and I was so impressed that you took it on. Um, what was your hope in, in doing so? To play the great parts. That's what I wanted, to play the great parts. And I wanted my work to be relevant in the lives of people. I didn't want to be out there in my own little satellite going round and round. I wanted it to somehow be matter in some way. And, that's, and, and with the company, and we were very, we had uh, outreach programs and uh, juvenile detention places and, and, and the, in colleges and high schools, and we ran a season. We had season, five or six plays a year, and I wow. had writing groups, and, 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 I kept trying. And you were teaching at NYU and raising three children. Right, right. I won't ask how you balanced it all, because I can't imagine uh, <laughs> I'll tell you one of you, those, the, the I'll ten th- things. I'll tell you how you do it. You, you marry the right man. That's what happened. They've been, you've been together for over 50 years. 53 years. I don't know where it went. I don't know how it went or where it went. Yeah. Um, when you're working together with a scene partner on stage, you guys are collaborating, but sometimes you'll also work with someone who can be very competitive. Um, a better, shorter way to ask that is, what was it like working with Shirley MacLaine? <laughs> well, uh, I think I have to admit right off that I'm pretty competitive myself. So that kind of, she didn't scare me. She didn't, actually I enjoyed how feisty she was and and stuff like that. There's a scene in uh, Steel Magnolias on a bench and I poke her and she pokes me back and finally she pushes me right off the bench. And it was all ad-libbed. Oh yeah, the whole thing. And I knew that if I did that, she would like, you know, come back, and she did it. And then when she finally got me on the ground, I, I, I had, I enjoyed working with her. I enjoyed her feistiness. I enjoyed all of that with her. And she admired you, and that you knew knew to stick it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a yeah. It was a good time. Um, which film earned the most money for you? Look Who's Talking 1, Look Who's Talking 2, or Look Who's Talking 3? Which movie earned the most for you? Look Who's Talking 1, Look Who's Talking 2, or Look Who's Talking 3? I like doing them all because they paid well. That was the the big thing. They told me that if I got the Academy Award, they'd pay me 50000 So I thought, all right, this is it. And for me, you have to understand, at the time that that Academy Award entered my life, my daughter was going to college on credit cards. Mm. That is like really serious risk-taking. And then that happened, and then we could pay our bills. It was such like a beautiful a miracle, story. A miracle. And to be 56 and achieve this, which... Yeah, I was like 50, yeah. I wasn't a... Young, a teenager, so to speak. I, I knew what it was. I knew, and I knew I had to. I, I remember saying it to my husband. I said, "I have to, I have to shoot craps now. I got to really take risks. I got to really do things." And you know. And you took on a role. Um, you know, now there's tremendous awareness about LGBT. But when 
When you did um, A Tale of Two City, you, you were, excuse me. <laughs> I just said A Tale of Two Cities. What does it I say? Meant, I meant Takes of the City. I looked down and it, um, I shouldn't read my notes because I write like a serial killer and couldn't read them well. Um, when you did Takes of the City, you know, that, to play a transgender role was, was at the time yeah. completely groundbreaking. It's groundbreaking now. It was unbelievable then. How did you prepare for that role? Well, it was uh, interesting. They, I, uh, there were a couple of biographies out, uh, two of them. I remember there was a Danish one and an American one. And I read those two, and, and I read about the operations and how painful they were, and I read about the transition and how difficult it was. And Okay, and I'm reading it. Then I get out to uh, San Francisco, and, and I realize I don't really know anything. And I, ca- I told the producer, you've got to get me somebody who has gone through this so I can talk to them. So they do, and I, um, she comes to the door. She's like 6'3". She has hands that were big enough to hold a basketball and stuff like you know, and a very soft voice. And she comes in, and we sit down, and I said to her, this is my... I said, what was it inside of you that you wanted so deeply that made it possible for you to go through those operations and to go through that transition period. And she said to me, all my life I yearned for the friendship of women. That, yes, see, that's exactly what happened to me. I was like, I don't know what I thought she was going to say. Probably something about sex. That's not what it was about. It was about this voice in her that had to be silenced, that she wanted to have in her life. I was so, and that changed the whole way I approached it. I mean, I, 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 did, I didn't think of it as an anomaly. I didn't think of it as an oddity. Somebody who was sick or, you know, I mean, I, it never even occurred to me after talking to this woman that I should do anything but understand the human being here you know and that's and it and it was from for me really one it's one of the pleasures i have had i can say as an actor to have done that part no, it's really one of the most yeah. memorable roles to, to watch it's really great i believe you're the only person in oscar history to have your oscar stolen um, when the guy later tried to sell it, resell it to you, how much did he ask for? Actually, uh, the person who went through this with me was my son, who was here tonight. Let's give, let's give him a hand. <laughs> he, uh, and when it was stolen, he became very, you know, alert about it and feisty about it. And, and uh, then what happened was he was... He got a phone call. Am I saying this right, Peter? He got a phone call from the person who stole it, saying they wanted to sell it back. Is that right, Peter? Yes, it's right. Okay, it's right. And so he then sets up. <laughs> I love that. He then sets up. What do they call those things? When they try to trap people. Sting. Sting. You're in the middle of a sting operation. He calls the police and he tells them what's happening. And the police then tell him to see if he can set up a meeting with this guy and and find out about it. But that never happened. They, uh, 
the guy evidently uh, smelled a rat or something or other. And um, so I never got what. But what they did was they took the the little the little thing on it that said who it was. Who got the it? And, yeah, the plaque. Who got it and what it was for and stuff. They took that and they left that, interestingly enough, out of respect for my work, I am assuming. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I told the Academy what happened. Of course, it was in the news and everything. And they sold me another one. How much Whoa. did they? How much did they make you pay for your your? It was um, about I think seventy five dollars. <laughs> so that's what it's worth. Yeah. Well, you thought you thought it was gold. No. <laughs> what what impact did it have on your career? Like, what were the things that really changed? Or on the flip side, what were things that didn't change after you you won it? Well, the first thing was that my daughter, you know, we could send my daughter to college. Yeah. And uh, we could pay the bills, and we could not wake up worried. I used to be worried all the time about bills, et cetera. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know that one, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and that changed. That was good. We got better fa- uh, furniture. We had terrible furniture in the house. It was, it was all, like, imported from Argentina. I have no idea why, but it was cheap, and it was white. It was, like, it was in, in this house that we... And then we got some regular, we got decent furniture, and I remember that one. You do a tremendous job of bringing so much sensuality to your characters, and I think it's like one of the reasons I'm really drawn to your work. Oh, all right. Um, is that... <laughs> well, I'm just thinking like away from her and bored to death. You, you, these roles could be a little bit more asexual in, in different hands. And instead, you always have sensuality on stage, I feel. And I just wanted to hear you talk about that if, if, if you feel like you had been offered too many roles that are asexual and said, ah, I'm not going to do that. I want something where I'm a full person. Uh, no, I, I never planned anything. I just It's just that usually when I work, I, I, all of me gets in there. And and, uh, and I enjoy that, making that kind of commitment, and I enjoy having that kind of intensity. So I, it, and sexuality is just a part of it. I don't think of it as, oh, I'm going to put sexuality here, like I'm making a pie or something. Yes, no, but but sometimes I feel like a lot of the roles in Hollywood um, for women of a certain age they get yeah. very oh, uh, yeah. asexualized. Um, or desexualized, I don't, I actually well, don't know. Well, to tell you the truth, I, I turn things down. And and sometimes my husband can't believe it. He said, because the money is good or the the people are very good. And But the part is, and I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. I try to do things that really um, have some interest for me and appeal to me in some way. I, I also heard you once say that... Um, Hollywood is okay if an older Brit- if an older woman is British, she, oh, yeah. she can be sexy. Oh yeah, but if she's American, because we don't it. have things like dames and ladies and all those titles. I mean, if you call a dame, it means something else in this country. It doesn't mean what it means in England. But um, yeah, they they. I mean, just before I came here, Quartet was on uh, on television. I was watching it, and I, and it was the same thing. All these wonderful British actors. You know, and that's not, nobody even thinks to write for a quartet 
of senior citizens in this country. You know? Well, and you're still acting a lot, and you're also doing your own one-woman show, Rose, and I wanted to ask oh, if you yeah. would, would tell people about that, because that is on tour yeah, right now. Yeah, actually, I got four of those performances coming up. Uh, they come in waves. That's why I was plugging it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what about, well, it's a one-woman show that I did at the National in London. And um, on Broadway. And Broadway, yeah. right? We did it for about three months on Broadway. And then I've done it all over the country in different um, communities, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it was, it, it, it changed my life as an actor. I, How? I, well, first of all, I mean, I was used to acting with actors. And I, there was, I was the only one on stage. And, and not only that, but I sat in a bench. There was no blocking. I couldn't walk around. He wrote it to sit in the bench and to talk to the audience. And the audience, at first I was very frightened. You know, it's really in this, it's just to give you a quickie. We were doing Curse of the Starving Class upstairs. And... I was at a point that where I was very belligerent with an audience. And so I would go up to the curtain before a performance and do this. <laughs> I did. I'm not proud of it, but that's what happened. And somehow that made me feel better. It made me feel like I wasn't being run by them. I didn't have to come out and turn myself inside out. I don't know. It was silly and stupid and immature and all the other things you can well, think of. Speaking of immature, I wanted to... Um, no, no, no. Wait a second. Okay. <laughs> oh. With Rose, yes. that all changed. Oh. I, that audience was all I had. There, and I, and I did that show because I needed them. And their response to me... Every night they were there. And that really altered my, my whole feeling about audiences doing that show. It's beautiful because I feel like they're a part of every sh show. Yeah. And I, I feel this tremendous gratitude towards them and to hear it from such a consummate actor to hear that you also have well, that Well, we all have those issues. Affection, yeah. Well, yeah, we don't talk about them because they're not pleasant and they're not flattering. I wanted to, to ask, because you were a fencing champion, I'm a little terrified to ask this because I am most definitely not a fencing champion, um, if, if you would show off uh, your, your foiling skills. Did you get a foil? I got uh, foils from an Olympic fencer. Um, I'm terrified. Oh, you got French foils. Well, because you're, you wanted the Italian ones and they're banned. They've been banned. Italian foils have been banned. Can we show Mitch the picture of Olympia uh, from fencing? <laughs> Not that one. Uh, keep going. There we there go. There she is. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna go in front of we're gonna move the table this way and we're gonna stand up and and fence. I'm I'm terrified. I made I may um, here's your foil. You're terrified. Yeah, I've never I'm 83. This. What do you think I am? You guys Katie, we... Katie, do you want a pen? It's stronger than the sword. I think I might use the aluminum foil. Should I use the aluminum foil? Yeah, use the aluminum foil. I think this is better. I'm really scared. 
Do we call, do we hold our mics while we do this? We can't we can't do this with the mics. Yeah, I think I'm gonna put the mic down. I have no idea what I'm doing. You guys, are you guys still here? Is everyone awake? When are you gonna see Olympia Dukakis taking someone half her age to town? Katie, you might need a real foil. That she's a professional. Two, three, four, one, two, three, fight! Looks like we have a champion. I, w I wanted to give you a couple gifts. You can, you see, can... this is not an aggressive foil. Okay, that was aggressive this is, this enough is not... for me. Oh, snap. As a non-athlete. What is this foil considered? A non-aggressive foil. The French foils are much more uh, form. The Italians, though, when I, when I first, I started off with the French foil, and then I went to the Boston Fencing Club, and I saw these people with these other foils, and I knew what it was. They were aggressive. They were, you know. They're they were, banned. You understand the foils you love are Italian now. The Italian foil yes, is they banned. Are banned. I, I had an Olympic it's foilist. Because you get a grip. You get the grip like that, but it's a lot better. Well, get Brooklyn a, Fencing grip, brought this. Um, what, and, else, uh, what else have you got? Okay, so I got you some, some tomatoes from the home country. This is from Jersey. <laughs> this is my gift. Yeah, a couple tomatoes gifts. from New Jersey. Okay. I got you um, a pen so you can keep reading your scripts. This one lights up so that, oh, okay. that you don't have to wake right. anyone else right. up. I got you a book of the gods of Greece. Oh, good. And a um, bonsai because you have been such a phenomenal gift to all of us to watch on stage. And I hope that um, this is something you oh, can enjoy. Oh, I love at home. it. Oh, that's wonderful. I love plants. Okay, good. I'm so oh, happy. Good. You guys, let's keep it going for Olivia Dukakis. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Ian Mazoff for editing this. Thank you to Josh Rogerson. Thank you to Jelly D for being an incredible intern and allowing us to record these here. Thanks to all of you for listening. Go to employeeofthemonthshow.com to find out about future live tapings as well as ways you can donate and um, also how to check out more episodes. Talk to you soon.